Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The pattern of life's changing fabric. Here is great journalism. A revelation of the past. A guide to the present. And a clue to the future. The scroll of tomorrow is still to be inscribed. And no man knows the shape and import of what will be written there. But when tomorrow's events unfold, a free and responsible press will print them for a free and enlightened public. Here, the press will say, here is what reporters have seen and heard and learned. These are the facts. You, the people, can base your judgment on them. And the climax to the story? Just this. Nothing more. Only an American street in an American town where truth is tossed nonchalantly on the doorstep every morning. This is democracy's way. This is America. Ah, there it is. The American dream, a newspaper on every single driveway or every porch that is brought in and sat on the table and people and the family rip through it and read from the front page to the sports section to the comics and and everything in between. And for ever in a day, that was it. That was the way you digested your news. That was the way you learned what was happening in your city, on your block, and around the world. But then the internet happened, and that changed everything very, very quickly. And that's brought us to a really big question this week. So let's get into things with this week's question on the News Junkie interviews. Will print journalism survive? This episode of the News Junkie Interviews. This is going to be a fun one, and there's no better person on planet Earth to talk to than Scott Maxwell. He's a hard-hitting, hard-working journalist from the Orlando Sentinel, and he's going to have the answers we're in search of and some great stories on what it's like to be a journalist, what it's like to work in a newsroom, and what that transition is like from print to digital. What went wrong, what's going right, and what does the future of the newspaper industry look like? All of that and more. A quick thank you. Thanks again for supporting this show and you support just by listening, by sharing it with people, letting them know what's going on, by writing those reviews up on iTunes and elsewhere. And all of that is very, very, very much appreciated. So thank you and keep spreading the word about uh, the News Junkie interviews. I'm having a good time doing it. I'm learning so much from these guests and I hope you are too. So let's take it to the street for another round of Coleman's questions. This week, well, it's all about the local newspaper. When is the last time you read a newspaper? Um, probably the last time I visited my grandparents' house and my grandparents still read the newspaper and they still do like the crosswords and stuff. I, only, I don't get one at my house. I've gone to my parents' house and they have a newspaper and I'll thumb through it, but an actual tactile tangible newspaper it's been a long time the last time i read a newspaper honest to god was when i pulled out the clippings from uh september 11 2001 i actually still have papers newspapers from the Atlanta sentinel the new york times chicago tribune and chicago sun times in a suitcase 
When is the last time you read a newspaper? It was Wednesday, and it happened to be packing in a box, and it was a Chinese newspaper, and it had Trump as the headline. But I have no idea what it said because it was in Chinese. Never. Like, ever. <laughs> oh, okay, enough said. The last time I actually picked up a paper newspaper was probably a week ago um, by local paper because I had some local events I wanted to look at and go see. An actual newspaper? Yeah, tactile paper newspaper. God, 15, 20 years ago? Probably in April of 2019 when we had a crawfish boil and we spread all the papers down to pour the crawfish on. What do you think the newspaper industry will look like in 10 years? Ashes on the ground because we use it as kindling for our pot fires. In 10 years, uh, it should already be digital now, but it is still on paper. Um, I, I really don't know. I think it will still be on paper in 10 years. I think it's gonna it's gonna change in, in a lot of ways, but uh, I think paper is still gonna be around, you know. Because it'll, it'll be a viable option, maybe a little less so than now. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's definitely gonna be less. It will not exist. Wow, harsh on the last one there, and uh, the tunes in the background. Now those are gonna be stuck in my head for the rest of the show here. But let's get into everything, because this is a guy working at a newspaper every single day, uh, writing some of the most popular articles in Orlando, things that uh, people talk about in this city, uh, a guy who knows the nitty-gritty of the newspaper world, and somebody who I'm excited to talk to. So let's get into the interview with Orlando Sentinels journalist Scott Maxwell. Scott Maxwell, here you are in the flesh, in the studio. Uh, thank you for taking the time to hang out and, and go through some things real quick. It is my pleasure to be here. You have got a awfully, I think your studio is a lot nicer than a lot of people's houses. <laughs> you know, we've been building this up for a while now, and finally now I'm just to the point where I go, I, I like it in here. This is functional. It's, it's cool. I like it. But there was a lot of screaming and uh, hair pulling out and just losing my mind at this whole process. You or your girlfriend? Uh, both. Okay. But, right. Oh, you. The, we, we had an instance uh, once when I was setting all this stuff up where I think for, I'm going to say an hour, but it might have been three hours in her mind, I was doing the whole check one, two, check one, two, check one, two thing. And eventually I just hear the door go, bam! And I go, oh, I probably should have shut that. That was done. <laughs> she was over that. She said, yeah. I've had about enough of this. So, uh, journalist for the Orlando Sentinel, let's go back a little bit. You could have been anything when you were a kid. What on earth makes you land on, I want to be a journalist, I want to be a writer, this is what I want to do? I appreciate you thinking I could be anything. My, my options were very limited. <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't know. I grew up, uh, we're probably somewhere in the same ballpark age-wise. I grew up in the uh, 70s. It was the tail end of the Watergate era. Uh -huh. And so there, uh, I watched you know, a couple of sort of disheveled uh, ink-stained wretches help yeah. topple a presidency, and there was something kind of intoxicating about all that. And I don't know why. I always just liked newspapers. My uh, dad ran a law office, and uh, now I'm going to really sound old. Back in those days, they had mimeographs. I don't know sure. if you cranked those yeah, out. Yeah, I've heard. And I would uh, go to his office and uh, make newspapers. They were the Maxwell House Times. <laughs> what Was this in Orlando? No, this was in North Carolina. I grew okay. up in Durham, North Carolina. And, and they would have really 
compelling stories, Sean, like uh, Scott's dad mows grass. And I would. Uh, <laughs> How well, many subscribers? You know, they, 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 I had the same problem we're having now. They weren't paying. <laughs> That's the issue. They were right? trying to get it for free. Yeah. You, were, you were trying to get it out there, but not <laughs> yeah. enough people willing to shell out the money for it. Yeah, so I, I think I just handed them and asked for handouts around the na- neighborhood. But I, I was always just drawn. I liked writing and uh, always liked it. Writing something that I kind of view like art, and you may agree or disagree here, um, I think you can make yourself a little better at it if you're not good. But writing is something that comes naturally to the people who are best at it. And while you can learn from somebody who can try to tell you the nuts and bolts as if you're putting together an Ikea dresser or something of being a writer, you either have that or you don't. Did you find just at a very young age you were somebody who was just adept at writing whatever you wanted to? Yeah, well, I I think I was pretty good at BSing. That was uh, a part of it. But I I agree with you. Uh, I I used to sort of take it for granted. But there are people like my wife. My wife is a very smart woman. She she devours books. She can read Mm -hmm. five a week if she wants. She's a, a pharmacist. She does lots of things. If you ask her to send a note to our child's teacher to just ask what she should bring for lunch tomorrow, yeah, she that's it. Her day is shot. <laughs> she asked me to draft it. She asked me. There, I, I get the writing does come easier to some people than others. And yeah, I guess I've always sort uh, sort of liked it. And I, I find it therapeutic. Uh, I think uh, you know. I sometimes people ask me, you know, how I do what I do, and I say I, I do the same thing the rest of you do. I get the paper. I start a little early in the morning. I get the paper. I read it. I, I get all pissed off. Right. And then I I just channel that into something. I uh, want to write and, of course, do a lot of research. Now, are you reading your own paper? Are you reading all, all kinds of stuff? What do, what do you digest in the morning? Yeah, I stay – first of all, yeah, my paper is a, is a big part. Uh, but Florida News is mm-hmm. al- almost exclusively uh, what I stay focused on. What One of my – Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Philosophies is there are more than enough people in this country uh, blathering on about Donald Trump. Trump. I mean, nobody gives a shit. Can I say <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, all right. No one gives a shit what I have to say about Donald Trump. In, in fact, I one time had an editor ask me if I was going to write something, and I said, just, just for a minute, tell me who the person is you think in Central Florida that's sitting there on their sofa <laughs> going, you know what? I'm just not decided on this Trump guy. I really want Scott Maxwell to tell me what to do. Do you like to write things where you think you're going to have more of an impact than that? That's 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 sort of what shapes it, you know. I because uh, you could probably get page views out of it. You could, you know, absolutely. It could be a, a top trending article on the Orlando Sentinel website. But you're saying you feel like it's just a waste of of I space. Do. I think it like it's pissing into the wind. I, uh, I you're absolutely. I could put Trump in a headline and it would be number one. That or Kim Kardashian or anything involving nudity or an alligator. Uh, those things mm-hmm. are going to jump 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 up to the top. Uh, but I'm, I try to stay focused on things where I can make a difference, things that I think other people aren't writing about. And, and, and that, that takes more research and more work. Uh, it's, it'd be easy to rant every day, but yeah. I, I, don't, I don't find it very fulfilling. So you, you wake up, you, you go through these papers, you're reading a lot of Florida-based stuff, and you sort of just land on your – is it your topic for, for that day or for the week? Or 
does it just kind of all come together throughout the process? It does. It sort of comes together. Uh, rarely do I wake up on a day and not know and not know what I'm already writing for that day. I, I try to let things um, sort of uh, marinate. I, I try to think about things. It sounds stupid, but uh, it may sound stupid, but I just really find that one of the most effective things I can do is think about things. Uh-huh. Uh, and I uh, will think of, I have a take on something, and then I'll go for a run or walk for an hour and a half. Uh, usually, well, it's a combination of the two, <laughs> slow, uh-huh. slow run. Uh, and sometimes I'll even talk myself out of it. I'll take a different position uh, than I thought I had at the beginning. Yeah, but I, uh, but that's I, good. My, my idea is what... If, I, if I'm doing it well, and I don't always, is is to at least make you think about something you haven't before. I don't want anybody to open it and say, I, I've read that a hundred times before. Right. So, yeah, I get ideas. Uh, I, I think about it. And, and as you mentioned, if you get the idea, so I'm up at uh, the coffee maker set to start at 4.50 each day. That's what time. Uh, Oof, uh, I don't know why it, you're doing this to yourself. It's just I've always I used to get up as a swimmer in high school. It's it's stuck. And then I just start reading, and the first time I get pissed off. That's I, I should say sometimes if I get inspired, but usually it's pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when it, I. It's just, easier to write when you're pissed off, yeah, probably, it right? Is. So, and you are absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you know, you know, if you're worked up about something, yeah. you can probably go for ten minutes without taking a breath. Right. Yeah. And it's the same way without uh, taking a breath. And sometimes you're, I, you just want to. I call it puking it on a page. I want to puke every thought I have onto uh, on a computer screen, and uh, then I spend a lot of time researching. And and I will tell you. One thing that I think sometimes uh, surprises people, I will spend as much time reading opinions that refute my, my thinking yeah. than, than do support mine. And it's not because I'm this great thinker uh, necessarily. It's I want to hear, I'm, I'm going to make a better argument if I've considered uh, all the arguments on the other side. And also, I'd rather hear that argument before I publish than to put it in the paper or online and have somebody say, hey, dumbass, uh, you didn't even address this point. And that's the work that a lot of people don't do. You know, I, I do that. And I, I wonder if you do this as well. Like if I'm uh, moving around for the day, sometimes I've got the radio on I got, and I'm, I'm not listening to anything, you know, I'm in my head. And, and if there's a particular topic that I'm really focused on, I'll go, all right, here's what I think is the natural take on this. And I'll start that rolling around in my head and I'll argue with myself. You know, I'll point out all the holes in this argument from every angle that I can think of and say, you know, this, Sean, this idea you have is so stupid to try to just destroy it as much as I can. And when you do that, you come up with a much more compelling Absolutely. argument afterwards. But I think there's some people out there who who aren't good at that, who can't argue from the other side, whether internally or not. And they go, here's my take on this. And then they just kind of print it and run with it. It's easier. It's, it's, it's comfortably numb. It's the same reason people tune in to only Fox or only MSNBC uh, because they don't want to have their ideas challenged on either side. It's uh, sort of a term for that's cognitive dissonance. They don't mm-hmm. like to hear an idea that, that, that makes their brain muscles have to work, that, that contradicts something they've already thought. It's just easier to go through life hearing only things you already believe. And I'll, I'll tell you, one of the things I struggle with, because as much as I dislike President Trump, and and a lot of the stuff that he's done. Uh, I don't know if this is accidental or whether this is something that he's knowingly doing. He has a way of stripping down whatever it is he's talking about to that simple bumper sticker thing that doesn't that doesn't stand up to any kind of argument. But the most frustrating thing is it, it proves it doesn't matter. You know, it's easy to go build the wall or do this or do that. And you get people that, that just start chanting this back at you rather than go, 
in front of that crowd and go, actually, here would be the smartest way to handle immigration and lay out a complex plan, you know, like Ross Perot would or something. Like, here's, here's how we're going to handle this on all these different levels. It, there, but there's some effectiveness in just that simple, stupid stuff. It works on people. Do you ever find that frustrating when you, you put out a column? You're like, I've, I've got this. I know I do. I know if any of these readers were to call me or want to debate me on this, I would win. I would be victorious in that debate. But they're still going to disagree because it's not exactly what they were expecting. Absolutely. And there, there was one time uh, where a guy... People will, you know, they email me all the time and, and positive and negative, but a lot of negative. And I, one time a guy uh, says, I bet you can't prove me wrong on this. And I send him a response and I said, before I take, I view this like your homework assignment. I like before, that you respond, by the oh, way. Oh, I respond to um, 90%, mm-hmm. hundreds every week. Uh, uh, and so I, I said, before I respond and go and fetch this information for you, I want to ask you a question. If I give you information that proves you wrong, will you accept it? <laughs> and he goes, Never mind, I don't want to see it. <laughs> do you do you ever have people so you get most of your feedback on email or social media? Yeah, probably. I would say it most uh, more on email, but but no, actually, yeah, I get tons on social There's media. there's two things that I find interesting. Number one, you might go uh more negative than positive or however that that lands, because there's not a lot of people who are most people are gonna go, damn, that was a great article by Scott Maxwell, and they're gonna tell their friends and they're gonna talk to whoever, but they're not gonna email you. However, if you piss them off the likelihood that they're going to email you is so much greater. So that's one thing that I always think about. But do you ever have people who go, Scott, that column was bullshit, and here's what I didn't like or whatever, and you respond and you interact with them, and they're like, this is so cool that you've emailed me. Oh, yeah. And they they kind of change their aggressive tact because I, I see that sometimes. Oh, yeah. You can just be sitting there, and, and you'll get something that's, you know, I, I hope you die, asshole. And then uh, you can just send back, really? Like, really, with a question uh-huh. mark? And they're like, Oh my God! You know what? I don't know what I was thinking. My <laughs> my name's Joe. I've been a teacher in fourth grade in Claremont since. What what the hell's wrong with you, Joe? Yeah. What were, what were you doing in the first? I, I think people do forget. There's uh, real people on the other end. You know, a guy who uh, used to be big in Orlando radio, uh, Scott McKenzie, mm-hmm. uh, one time said he never appreciated the amount of time people had to think. Uh, and the time it took them to lick a stamp and seal an envelope. Right, yeah. Until email came out because... Uh, it's easy to fire that <laughs> off. You just fire that off. And I will say that I, most of what I get is actually pretty complimentary. Mm-hmm. And there are people who want to talk. And I also get people who object and have thoughtful opinions. But when I do sort of my reader feedbacks, I don't I don't uh, bathe in people who are praising me. People want to hear people uh, crap all over me. So you, so you land on this, this topic that you're going to focus on. Um, you go into the building there down, around downtown into your office, are you milling about? What, what's the day-to-day like inside that office with the other reporters? Yeah, so for the, I do not have an office. Virtually nobody has an office. If you've ever seen any movie in the history of time about a newsroom that has an ocean of cubicles mm-hmm. in a dimly lit, that's exactly how they still yep. all look. That, that's what we look like tonight. I've got a green banker's lamp that looks just like what you would <laughs> expect. They're dirty and asbestos. Uh, we've had rats fall through the ceiling. Uh, th- these, are, these are not modernized uh, facilities. And uh, I could work at home if I wanted to, uh, but I love the energy of a newsroom. I mean, it is great to sit in a newsroom and it hear is. and hear all those conversations. Yeah. So Senator, I was, what did your wife say when she found out about the hooker? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get to hear that uh, every day. And, and uh, there's, there's an energy we feed off each other. We bounce ideas off each other. So I, yeah, I, I go in most days, not every day, but most days I go and I just sit and so I put my headphones in, but 
listen. What's the interaction with your publisher? I, when I, last time I've been over there, I think it was um, Howard Greenberg. Or, oh wow, that's was, a while ago. Who, well, last time I was over there, that's that's who was the publisher of the paper. Uh, who seemed more like a sales guy he was. than a print guy. Yeah, that's you know? very astute. He was. Uh, and, and damn good at sales, but, you know, maybe not, not, not uh, that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That, that fantastically good at the, the print side of things. And so he seemed to take a different tact. Who, who's there now? What's your interaction with him? We have a uh, woman who's our publisher named Nancy Meyer. Now she uh, was here before and a top editor named Julie Anderson. I really like them a lot and I am not... Ch- uh, not just d- blowing smoke up the uh, ass. If, if anybody's asked me uh, about previous publishers, I did not say that, and I've said it publicly. Uh, <laughs> Howard was in the middle. Howard was funny, but w- but one thing I'll tell you, and I can tell you a story about Howard, is people often ask me, do these, you know, they tell you what you ha- can and can't write. Uh-huh. I've been at the paper now 22 years. I still call it the paper, but I've been at the Sentinel 22 years. Um, I have never had anybody in any position of power say you can't write this or you have to write this. And uh, and as an example. I used to think there were too many uh, tax loopholes, that too many uh, businesses uh, were getting, uh, they had their lobbyists write these little things that they didn't have to pay taxes on. And I, w- I wrote one about, there was one for ostrich feed and certain fuel for yachts and all this stuff. And uh, one of the times, uh, one of the things I said that looked like a stupid tax-free exemption was the uh, newspaper inserts. <laughs> the, uh, apparently we didn't pay taxes on the, on the printing costs for like the, the CVS and the Walgreens right. ad. And I made a list of like 10 things that I thought the loopholes should be closed and those businesses should have to pay. And uh, I think one of like the only times I've ever been called in the publisher's office was, in fact, Howard. And uh, he called me in and he said, I just read your column. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, do you know how much more this would cost us if we lost this loophole? <laughs> and I said, uh, no, sir. And I can't remember. He said something like you know, $75,000. And I said, got it. And, All said, right. and, and that was it. He didn't say, don't write it. He didn't say, uh, uh, you know, stop writing it. And I wrote about it again. Well, so. you're, you're right. That's a, bis- a big misnomer. People think that there's somebody from on high either telling you what to write, number one, or telling you what not to write. Probably that's a more common thing that people think. And there's one big reason why you don't find that too much. The greatest way to get a journalist to write about something is to tell them <laughs> that they cannot write about it. You know, that's, if, a, that's a great point. If they if they if they come to you and they're like, "Look, Scott, we we don't want you. You're almost going to be more fired up to. Well, why don't they want me to write about this? What's really happening here? And 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 there are a lot of uh, we can talk about the downslope of a newspaper's had over, over the years. Uh, but one of the reasons I have never left is because of that. I've never uh, been censored or told what to write anyway. And to your point. Um, if there's anybody listening out there who's in the public uh, realm, mm-hmm. uh, it it's, works the same way. If a newspaper reporter or any journalist asks you for public records, if you give them the public records, there's a 50% chance they may not even read them. If you deny them the public record, yeah. that is the only thing in life that they are going to care about until they get them again. Light bulb goes Yeah, off. Yeah, you tell them that they can't do something, that's all they care about. Yeah, I, I mean, and we'll, we'll get into some, some more of that you know, day-to-day, what happens stuff but uh you you now work at the orlando sentinel those are the the folks who are sort of running the ship over there did where did you uh you didn't jump right to the sentinel did you 
Now, I started, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina, wrote for a little paper called the Chapel Hill Herald, and then uh, Winston-Salem, Tobacco, Wake Forest uh, town, wrote there for about four years. You just kind of picked up everything as you went along? Yeah, my first job was a one-man bureau in rural North Carolina. I mean, where you're you're covering courts one day, you're covering business openings, you're covering uh, cop shootings, murder suicides. That's great for, no, I mean, that's obviously not great, but that's great for for experience. about the murder-suicide shot. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. To, to do a little bit of everything is the best way to be good at so many different things that might come up. There's there's a lot of people in journalism who are ve- very good, very good, but only at very particular beats. And if you were to tell them, hey, I need you to write this about local politics or about an ongoing court case, it's out of their world. Where When you get to get your hands on a little bit of everything – you get to get the experience that probably allows you to float through topics as well as you can now. It does. It, it, sometimes it makes our, our, our knowledge sort of, sort of like yours, you know, a mile wide and an inch right. deep. But uh, you, know, you have to learn about how civil lawsuits are filed, which are very different from criminal uh, mm-hmm. court, uh, business filings, bankruptcies, uh, wills and estates and murder suicides. I covered in North Carolina uh, when Richard Petty ran for Secretary of State. Oh, yeah. I, so I had to learn about both NASCAR racing and what the hell the Secretary of State does. Uh, <laughs> it, it is fascinating. And I will tell you, every once in a while, usually about once, once a month, I will try to pick a topic that I know absolutely nothing about. That's fun, right? It is. Uh, and just learn something about, uh, about horseshoe crabs. What, mm-hmm. That's an actual one uh, or whatever it is. And I and, and challenge myself to learn more about it. Yeah, I, I happen to like that too. And I don't know if that's just something people are born with. I mean, I... I you know, we were talking before this about podcasts. I do that with podcasts. I'll be like, um, j- just last week, I was like, I don't know enough about Pol Pot. Let me learn more about Cambodia and the situation under, under Pol Pot. And I'll find some things. If it's a whole audio book, I'll do it. If it's just, you know, some podcasts I could listen to where they go through a biography. I, I'm, I find that fun. So many people will listen to that and go, wow. You need a better use for your time, but I enjoy it, and and that, so that's one of the things you do to expand your knowledge over time. I do, and and I like. I mean, it sounds geeky, but I I love a a hundred page lawsuit or a court filing. Oh, I, some of them are thrilling. I I, I I like. I'll take it out by the pool with a with a beer and uh, and a highlighter, uh, and uh, I think it's fun to go through. One of the things I think I'm decent. I'm not good at all aspects of, of what I do, but is is synthesizing. Uh, and taking like a hundred page lawsuit mm-hmm. and uh, condensing it into sixty six hundred words that are relatively easy to understand and maybe may funny because what way. what you're doing there is you're going, I like doing this. I'm having fun doing this. Everybody else, they don't have time to do uh, this or they don't want to do this. So now I've got to be able to take everything I've pulled from this giant document and give it to the people in the time that they have. And there's a skill to that too. there is. and 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 sometimes, you can spend uh, an hour on something that ends up being a sen- literally a single sentence mm-hmm. uh, to try to understand something. You've read it and you go, four witnesses uh, agreed with them. That may have come over the course of 20 different pages right. spread out from there, but <laughs> but you got to get that one point for witnesses. Yeah, yeah. and, and what, what I find really interesting about that kind of stuff is when you actually get into the source documentation, court case is an easy example. When you get into that stuff, you realize how much more nuance there is. So, mm-hmm. like, let's let's take a for example. Um, it's no need to take anything too controversial, but let, let's just say uh, you were looking at the uh, Casey Anthony case, okay? Uh, and yeah, don't pick something controversial. Well, I, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking Central Park Five or George Zimmerman. Let's go Central Park Five. You got this this Netflix series out about the Central Park Five, right? 
and uh, people start watching this, and I mean, it's very obvious. It's it's a well done thing. It has an emotional impact on people, and they go, "This is a travesty of justice. What happened to these guys?" And you go, "Wow, okay, right." And then, so just the way my mind works, I go, "Let me read." some of the documentation. Let me read through the court docs. Let me read uh, some of the investigations done and I'll read through all that. And I'll find there's so much more nuance to this. Like, here's what probably happened. Here's what definitely didn't happen. And you can start to put things in categories. Now, the problem is when you start to get that more realistic picture of things, it seems like people just aren't quite as interested in it. You know, like when you go, you almost become the actually guy. You're like, well, actually, let me tell you. So these these weren't great kids. They they had a lot of uh, flaws in their life, but they may have been railroaded a bit because of this. And then so you, you explain to them what was really happening here. They'd rather hear the story that is more like a Hollywood tale. And that can be a little frustrating. Do you run into that? Do you ever go, well, let me just let me hammer this down. Let me hammer this point down a little bit instead of being nuanced here. Because sometimes you lose people when you do that. Absolutely, and I, I am not an expert in the in the Central Park Five, but but a comparable one that I bet you're familiar with is SeaWorld and Blackfish. Mm -hmm. um, that was one where I watched the uh, documentary and then wanted to write about it. And I'm I'm prone to agree that we are have reached a uh, point in society where it's uh, not uh, financially feasible or attractive to watch giant fish that are that uh, mammals that are that big and, and tanks that small. There's just not mm -hmm. an appetite. It's the same reason the circus has gone out, which I know is a topic you've talked about yeah. uh, before. But at the end of Blackfish, uh, which is a documentary that makes a lot of those points about the problems of whales in captivity, it basically ends with this notion of we should just set them all free. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things you're talking about. The people, let's just set them all free. That's not how it works. They die when you they, do that. Absolutely, yeah. they die. They're, we've seen that they but die. But they make compelling, convincing arguments. They and I remember one time you just met my my girlfriend Courtney. Um, I one I, I watch all kinds of weird stuff. One time I was watching a documentary that set out to prove that O.J. Simpson was innocent. Okay, this is this is the what, just the framework of this documentary. And so we're watching it, and they're showing some interviews, and they're highlighting all these different things. And they're not trying to say that there was racism or whatever in this case. They're trying to say that he did not do this. He was a hundred percent innocent in this. And maybe some other mysterious character did it. And she's watching it, and she goes, how can they do this? But this is a documentary. Aren't they supposed to be honest with you? Isn't this supposed to be educational? And you, you go, ah. Uh. You know, I remember when I thought that. <laughs> I remember when I thought everybody just wanted to get to the truth or, or give an honest opinion on stuff. And when you watch things, you realize everybody sort of has their agenda or their angle or wh whatever take they're trying to get through to the audience. Because to go back to that same point, that's more effective. If Blackfish ended with, well, let's keep these things for a while. And then maybe 50 years from now, we can not have so many. That's, that's not, that's right. It's not and powerful. It, 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 people like the black or the white, not to use a orca pun, uh, but they like the black or the white. And, and when I would write a column and uh, I was one of the first people actually, uh, even before blackfish to say, Hey, the time for captive orcas, uh, is, is over mm -hmm. with that, that, that sunsetting. But I didn't write SeaWorld should go out of business. We should all boycott SeaWorld, never set foot in yeah. there, and they should shut down and lay all those people off. That made people angry. Yet on the other side, the SeaWorld defenders, if I say, hey, these whales, that's not a sustainable business model, they scream at you. Well, what do you, why do you hate SeaWorld? Uh, and I, I, I find they it get confused because they're like, wait, you're not on a team here. That's we, we have two teams. We have we hate SeaWorld or we 100% stand by everything SeaWorld does. 
And, yeah. and what I, one thing I try to remind myself, because that is exactly right, but I think those are the vocal minorities. I, I, I mm -hmm. often say, you know... They're uh, effective, though. They are. The, uh, America is like a football field where most of us, I think, are somewhere between the 40s. We're a little left of center or we're a little right of center. But the discourse is played out in the freaking end zones. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are the people who are loudest. Those are the ones with placards. Those are the ones who are po uh, who get, generate all the headlines. Um, and, and you say it, people are pressured to pick a team. If I ever write a book about modern politics, uh, it's going to be titled like The Problem with And. People mm -hmm. have trouble saying, and, and let's just use Trump as an example. People have trouble saying, I think Trump does some really decent things that I like as far as taxes or Supreme Court. And he says horrible things that divide our nation. Mm -hmm. People, a lot of people have trouble accepting there can be both of those things. Yeah. Uh, or that somebody can, uh, you know, or that I, or I, Trump is an awful uh, person who lies a lot and uh, has led, maybe said things that lead to mass shootings. And he's helped create a pretty decent economy. Mm -hmm. I mean, th those things can both be true. Yeah, you, it, it can be possible that you absolutely detest some things that, that a person has done, but whether through accident or intention, some other good things have happened or they've done good things, you don't have to discredit those to score the points that you were with the things that they clearly did bad. And people, people do like all or nothing. Or discredit the people who like them so much. And that's one of the things I wrestle with a lot is the notion that everybody who supports him for, an, for just as a, for example, uh, might be a racist yeah. uh, or, or, or just a, an idiot. Uh, they're, they're not all. It's not a good way to enter a, a conversation. No, you know, it's, like, it, yeah. it's not. And, and, and that, I will tell you, Sean, that's another thing I try to approach is what, if my goal was to piss in the wind and to scream into a microphone, uh, uh, into a megaphone every day and not change anybody's mind, that would be really easy. Mm -hmm. But I try to approach things from a way of I'm trying to win people over. Uh, and, and I mean, I heard this a long time ago. The moment you call someone a racist, like if you call them racist, that conversation's over. Yeah. They're, that you, you, you might have a point that you can win them over ultimately, but you're not going to do it that way. No, they're going to see everything is jaded by your... That label has yeah, shut it down. You're labeling them that so. way. So how did you learn? Uh, you were going up through these newspapers. We're hopping around a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, you're growing up through these newspapers and you're, you're learning your, your trade. How old were you, were you and how did you learn that you were um, going to get the gig at Orlando Sentinel? I was about four years into writing at the Winston-Salem paper, and uh, I don't know what I'd done, but I'd written like, oh, I'd written a series about, I think, a series about racial division mm -hmm. uh, up there, and it had gotten a little bit of national attention. Nice. And uh, Orlando needed somebody to come down and cover. At that point in time, it was the campaign of a little-known guy named Mel Martinez, who mm -hmm. was uh, running for county mayor. And so I came down to be the county government here, reporter here for about four years before I started doing this. So first of all, that's a big jump. Yeah. That's a big jump because Orlando is a, a good-sized newspaper market for sure. And Orlando Sentinel uh, is a, a very well-known newspaper around the country yep. and even beyond. And so you're moving to this big brand. There's some yep. pressures there. But were you familiar with Orlando, or did you have to no. just jump in and start learning everything? I was so dumbass. I thought there was a coastline here when they first called. Because uh, <laughs> why would it, why would anybody move to in this state? <laughs> yeah, this is I don't know if you know, Sean. This is actually where the early American settlers uh, punished they 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 imprisoned the <laughs> the Native Americans because they scanned all of Florida and said, "What's the most god awful place we can think of?" Yeah, right where you and I are sitting right now. This is our jail cell here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So no, I did. I knew uh, very 
little about it, but there's no better way to get uh, to learn than right to jump in. Fire. Yeah, and so I was covering everything, uh, mostly with regards to Orange County, and I uh, did that for about three years, and then I started doing projects uh, for one year, and uh, and actually the column position I have uh, right now started as a gossip column. Oh, did it? Yes, uh, they had a woman who uh, used to write. We, we, as you may know, we used to be more of a boy band capital and have a lot more of a sure. ce- celebrity scene here. And she did a lot of that stuff. And they, um, she left, and they said, "Would you like to be our celebrity gossip columnist?" And that's, I mean, being a columnist is sort of like most journalists' dream come true. But I did not want to. Uh, you didn't want to cover that? Beat. I, that was not for me. Uh, and I said, "Thank you, but no, thank you." And then they came back and they said, "All right, what if we go half and half?" Half of your time is doing that stuff, and half is doing whatever the hell you want to do. And they let me uh, do that. And so, and when you when you agreed to that, did you think I'm just going to convince them that the other stuff is better and outweighs my time spent on this celebrity gossip stuff? I thought sort of. I thought I will do the celebrity and social stuff, uh, but only as a means to get to doing yeah. the, the important stuff. And for three years, I put on a tuxedo almost every weekend. I went to the weddings of timeshare magnet david siegel's family and uh things that just made me want i had to shower when i got home uh, at the end of the night uh and, and interviewed the all the, the the joey fatones wayne brady's the or the orlando uh folks but um it was actually after one of those weddings uh i'd been doing it about three years and it was just a uh i found the whole thing really off-putting it was it was somebody who was spending a shitload of money to try to impress everybody else. I didn't really felt phony. It, I, it, I felt like I was a pawn for being part of it, mm-hmm. uh, for amplifying something that I found pretty distasteful. And I, uh, came back to the office on a Monday morning and I went to the editor at the time. He's not there anymore. His name was Sean. And I said, Sean, I res- I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity, uh, that you have given me through the years, but I, I, I can't do it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he was, Were you prepared to just quit if that was it? If I had to, yeah, I was going to try to make a pitch to go back in county government or something like that. And he was quiet for a second, and he said, I don't give a fuck what you write. Uh, do whatever you want. Uh, if you want to write policy and politics, do it. Nice. And so so it, it took that moment to, it to get the freedom to, to do these things. I, I just know moving into that new market of Orlando, and especially being in, in print like that, there's a there's a big big opportunity to screw up and so for instance when i when i uh went from west palm to chicago to work for wgn i'm working uh up there and the program director at the time was kevin Matheny, who who was uh, howard stern's pig vomit uh, program director he was running wgn and uh, i get thrown on the air there pretty quickly and i remember in the second or third day i was on I started talking and I threw it over to, they had this guy who I think is now in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. He had worked at the station for 50-something years. He came on and he did the um, like livestock trading number. Okay. He'd be like, right. hog is up a, a quarter and, you know. Orange uh, futures. Yeah, yeah. You know, all this. And I, I didn't even know it was a thing when I heard, heard him do it. And this uh, second or third day, I, I got a note and it's like, throw it to to him at 30 after. So I'm talking and I go, uh, yes, and now with the uh, st- with with the, the pig futures update, here is uh, Orion Samuelson, and his name was Orion Samuelson, and he goes, "Thanks, John," and I go, "Oh," and and like and everybody's looking at me like, "Oh, he's been here almost as long as the damn station's been around," and I go, and then I would sit there, and the phone calls would light up, and I I didn't know how to say Schomburg or what you know all these different areas. 
you have to pick all of that up and pick it up quickly and then talk about this place like you've lived here your whole life. Now that's probably... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Easy, but that must have been stressful when you when you first started doing that here. You're ab- you are absolutely right. I mean, you don't. I mean, the first thing I, qu- I got out here, I said, "Do they call it I four? Do they call it the four? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that sounds simple, but mm-hmm. if you call, if I wrote the four, you'd sound like yeah, everybody I, go, "Well, this guy's a, a carpetbagger." Absolutely, and and, and you, you have to learn all that stuff. You have to get immersed in it. Uh, I tried to go somewhere like every weekend, whether it was to the Bithlow Speed World or uh, out the Orange Groves in Lakeland. Uh, I, I just tried to learn more about what was going on here but you're you're absolutely right because people can smell phony yeah they can especially if you're trying too hard yeah yeah and and i found just in my case the best thing was to be like hey i don't know all this yet i'm trying my best i'm trying because if you just pretend and you have like an ego about it you're right they'll read right through that and they'll dislike you solely for that and i think they they respect being self-deprecating i i don't write about myself very often but i do a couple of times a year and r- rarely am i the hero in my story uh <laughs> and, and i think people uh, respect if you're just honest that you have the same pitfalls and the same f- troubles with your family and this your kids think you're a, a doofus uh I think be honest. Yeah. I, and that's the other thing. I, I believe that everything in, in the, the world we're in with technology and everything else, I believe that anything that's a lie will get out there. Uh, if you try to be You'll something. you get caught on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you ever done that? Have you ever written an article and then you start to get that feedback like you're getting and you go, damn it, I thought I did the due diligence, but I there was some kind of error in it that just started getting at you and you you felt you dropped it, or you do that much in advance to make sure you're bulletproof. I sh- I need some wood to knock on because I'm gonna <laughs> say I do it this way. I haven't had a I I have I definitely had that in my uh back in North Carolina. I um, it's it's not even hardly worth talking about. But I I tried to be do a lazy. I heard about a, like a sewage break and 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 uh, on a we'll call it Pine Street. And I went to the phone book back then. We used phone books and uh, started calling everybody who lived in Pine Subdivision and, and wrote the entire story uh with interviews on people in pine subdivision well it turned out uh those were completely different parts of the city uh and uh it was it was obvious i didn't know it was obvious they hadn't been there and uh and a lot of people from the neighborhood said hey dumbass but that's big that's that's a moment where you go i'm not going to put myself in this position i'm not doing that again absolutely i'm gonna make sure every time i hit publish on something i'm confident when people are coming in that I know where this is going, and I I know that I was right in saying. And that. you know, I think we were, you were interested in talking a little bit about sort of the the, the impression people have of uh, journalism and media in general. Sean, along those lines, I would tell you that there is no greater fear that any of my colleagues have in the newsroom than that they are going to get something wrong. Mm-hmm. There, there's uh, they come into work terrified every day that they're going to have a correction. And you know, for all the crap well, we take, if we get things wrong, we fix it, and we put a uh, blurb uh, in the paper that that says we got it wrong. I mean, most of the people I'm out there uh, who I work around me, they just want to tell stories about their community, and they they check and they double check to make sure they've got it right. You may not disagree, you may not agree with everything I write, but I'm not getting it wrong. Yeah, I mean, there, and and I actually think. And I'm sure you'll agree with this. I think print is is the best at that. 
I think uh, you especially notice this cable news is, is god-awful bad. A lot of things go into that. One, one of those things is they're trying to do things in real time, and that's notoriously a very bad way to handle detailed stories, and so you end up screwing up a lot of stuff. But you'll notice if you're ever uh, if you're ever the subject of a story and you watch the coverage of it and you see all the, the coverage that's out there, websites are probably the worst. Just little fly-by-night websites with no editor, a blog kind of situation. Cable news is pretty bad. Local TV, you know, hit or miss. But the newspapers seem to be more buttoned up and on top of things. It's not all of them, of course, but quite quite a bit of the stuff I see in newspapers seems to be more tuned in and more focused. And honestly, uh, outside of a few spots here or there, you don't see radically partisan stuff outside of the opinion section and let's say the Orlando set. I would tell you, and I tell, if, if you hate me, that's fine. Hate, hate me. 95% of what we put out is uh, where there's going to be a new zoning uh, for, a, for a Walmart. Uh, what time school's going to start for uh, high schools. Yeah, most of what my colleagues come into work and uh, to do every day is just to tell the stories about the community. And these are not partisan things. They're telling you when a new theme park's expanding. They're saying, well, you know, a new subdivision's uh, being planned. Uh, so yeah, it, it is not partisan stuff. I think one of the reasons newspapers have traditionally gotten it right uh, is because they were on a once-a-day deadline. Yeah, you're right. And I think- You're not rushing to be first necessarily. And uh, people- I, I've often said, and I know this makes me sound really old school, but the day we stop putting out a print product, that's probably the day I'm going to decide to do something else. You think so? I do because, and I know that sounds, and I may change my mind, but there is some real value in letting your thoughts sink in, letting them marinate, uh, to, to think about, I, I, I really resist sometimes we, you know, we do video, we have, uh, our own, mm-hmm newscast and stuff like that which nobody watches but we, we we've got that stuff and sometimes they say hey this just happened i want a hot take and i am not shy about saying no right because uh, my, my my hot takes everybody's hot takes are often wrong i mean yeah. sure everyone's got one like everybody's got a, a rear end but uh a, a, an emotional response is usually not a very thought out that's, one that's why twitter's a cesspool it that, is a that, cesspool <laughs> that exact that exact framework is why twitter's a cesspool because you don't have that time to publish, you know? That, you don't even know if what you got was right in no. the first time. and uh, You're just running. Yeah, and so I, I think we're still pretty good about waiting to make sure we've got it uh, right. I think newspapers, we're not perfect. We've had uh, mistakes. So, oh my gosh, I can tell you, one of the, one of the best, worst mistakes we ever did was we used to, we did uh, do daily obituaries on mm. people. And we had an obituary that ran, uh, and it talked about what a wonderful man he was always an educator. Everybody loved him, uh, and he just passed away at the age of 75. And uh, I got the call, actually, and the person said, hey, that guy you all described as a really nice guy, I think everybody did love him right up until he walked into the high school and shot the principal in the Ooh. forehead. Yeah, the reporter hadn't done the, uh, this person died on death row. Yeah. that uh, They were doing the profile. The family had pitched a very nice, feel-good story. <laughs> they left a little piece out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that was a hell of a correction. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to run uh so yeah we, we've sometimes had these uh ridiculous uh and big errors but i gotta tell you i think we're pretty darn good about uh correcting when we do when when you started at orlando center what year was that 98 98 okay so since 98 we've sort of seen that that uh decline of print and rise of digital right you know at that at that point in time that was when things were in their uh, you know i don't know if you want to say heyday but like things were going well for print 
you were selling a lot of newspapers and digital wasn't interfering as much as it certainly was in the early Absolutely. 2000s and, and since then. Um, what, what's the focus now? Is it still print focus? No, it's digital. Digital it's, first? It's almost exclusively digital. And to talk about our heydays, it was a heyday. When, when, uh, when I came here, we were floating in money. Uh, I mean, we covered any time a story happened, and I'm not exaggerating, between Brazil and Montreal, we sent a reporter to go there. Uh, at the Orlando Magic game, there, I don't know if you've ever seen, there are uh, four seats that are basically an extension of the bench. Mm -hmm. they, they, Next it, to the it, players? They, they are the four seats on the, the Sentinel had those. They were about $1,000 a piece <laughs> for four seats a night for what 81 uh games a Flush year with cash uh, when when 9 11 happened uh the first thing they did we did uh, was charter a jet to try to send uh me and some other people up there we got grounded afterwards but uh, uh we had 14 bureaus from san juan to atlanta we had and what's Volusia, that down to now you know one really just just orlando uh yeah well there's a uh, we have a lake county columnist who works okay. at, in lake county and there is a bureau there's one there's one bureau but, in addition to us plus you have the spider web of the tribune company we, we do but but we but uh the, the newsroom itself is down about 70 percent from when uh it was at its heyday and i had a bunch of best friends that almost all of them left because the prognosis for the long-term prognosis for newspapers was not great we've had a uh, big hedge funds have come in and mm -hmm. bought these things and uh, every time they come in they have the same idea which i know you're familiar with yeah. in, the, in the world of radio uh, which is cut that's yeah. the first idea is just how cut. can we save money yeah, yeah just I... cut it and then they wonder why people don't uh uh you know want the product as much because uh well, well you all had it they, they mm. replaced people who are talking and connecting with listeners with just automated music and then people start turning the channel sure there's a reason for that uh so uh yeah it, it, it's, it's been a little rough, but I will tell you the biggest problem didn't even have to do with cutting. It was a, just a business decision in the late nineties when the internet came around, uh, newspaper publishers had a choice. Uh, do we, people have been paying for newspaper coverage for all their life. And they said, do we put this, why don't we just put everything we've always done online mm -hmm. where people can access it for free? Yeah. And it turns out if you give people a choice of whether they want to pay for something or get it for free, they choose free. Well, it was it was beyond that too, because in those early days of the internet, when it, they started to put the print product up as a digital product, and you didn't have to subscribe, you could still see right. what was happening yeah. in your neighborhood. the 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 whole aura of the internet was free. You know, music was free. Everything you could find, right. it, it was free. It was like the internet to most people was this tool to get stuff for free. And we've all seen how long it took to turn that around for the music industry. And they still kind of struggle through this stuff. And so you not only had, you're taking print and you're making it available digitally for free because you think the audience is a little smaller there and we don't necessarily need to move on monetizing this yet, but you also have things coming up like Craigslist, which just murdered classified. And, and people don't understand how much money classified. Absolutely, made. you're exactly Classifieds right. printed money. It was massive. And all of a sudden it became this way to do this for free or for a very tiny amount of money, mostly free at the beginning of, of Craigslist. And I talked to Craig Newmark, the guy who runs the, the site about this before, and he's like, I, I knew exactly what I was going for. I was going for the jugular. Like, he knew what was happening. And that took a, a big chunk out of the, the money that was coming into the papers. And, I mean, are classified still, are they, are they 
fighting along still or is that no no they're they're almost gone and if you and if you think about how the economy has changed a lot of what has uh folded are those big box sort of stores think of like circuit city mm -hmm. remember there used to be circuit city yeah circuit city's gone circuit city was a full page ad in the newspaper yep. every, every uh weekend so as those retailers disappear uh so did those advertising which was a, mainly a, a, the one of the primary things that propped up newspapers uh was that was that finances the one thing we've got going for i shouldn't say the one thing but one thing we got going for us advertising wise is despite everything they've tried companies like Publix and Macy's cannot get customers without these printed ads mm -hmm. I mean they do send emails and everybody's got their app and I order my pub subs in advance so I don't have to, yeah. to wait there but people still it's fantastic yeah. what a life <laughs> so, but people still like their coupons and they rely on those and they can't get people in their stores uh, without that especially so, older demographics absolutely and, and when that dies out we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> so you have you're taking all those hits at the same time and it hasn't been until the last maybe five or uh, ten years that newspapers have been able to start taking the digital product and really doing well with it. The New York Times and the Wall Street Journal are great examples. They've done a fantastic job, and they are, through their subscriber base on a digital level, doing a pretty good job of kind of getting things back in, into a, a solid spot that has a much longer-term future. Unless you not like the media or not like newspapers and want to cheer this on. If the newspapers fall out, it's a fucking disaster. It is. Because then we don't have a keystone portion of this, and it's all going to look like cable news. It's all going to look like and, that. And half of the places that spend their time demonizing mainstream press or – or, or newspapers get virtually everything they're talking oh, about course, yeah. from those. There was a, a great scene from a debate between Drudge, the who was originally the ori the original uh, amalgamator, the guy who would collect all, all, all this stuff, and, and a New York Times critic, where the New York Times critic they were debating live picked up Drudge's website. He printed it out, mm -hmm. and it was you know you know two feet long. <laughs> and he said, "Here's your website today." And Drudge said, "You're damn right, that's your website." And then he said, "And now I've cut out every one of the pieces on your website that ah. came from a newspaper, and it was just a <laughs> bunch of holes on the paper." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, 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 you're right. I, I think we are the bedrock, and, and you got to pay for that. I, I'm, I never make any apologies for asking people to pay uh, for the products that we put out. I mean, the people who work, the guy, Steve Hudak, who covers Orange County for us, he, he's got two kids. He's, he's got a wife, uh, and, and, and it's his job to go out and write about the debate over jet skiers in Belle Isle, which is what he covered last week, or the, uh, the $600 million expansion of the convention center, which is what he uh, wrote about today. Those things take manpower, and those are both stories that nobody else is telling. People get the, the value. They understand the value. They understand the value of it. It's just that so much has changed so radically let me give you an example. So there, have you heard of the uh, the Athletic? Uh, they're, they're going for the jugular also. Right. Uh, yes. So the Athletic is right now trying to kind of do what Craigslist did, but with sports. And yep. they're trying to move into every single neighborhood that they can, cover whatever kind of sports they can. They want to get into MLS soccer and, you know, all, all this stuff. So as they're doing this, they're, they build subscriptions as they go. And people will understand okay, so I'm subscribing to this because I've got this local guy who's doing coverage of this sport and I can get my information from reading this. That's backwards, you know? You, you started paying and then you like, okay, here's what I'm getting out of this. Whereas for the newspaper, it was like, I just get this whole product every day and you might not even understand the, the value of those individual things. You are exactly right. And do, and do you know who the, the athletic gets in every one of their markets? Who's that? 
they get the beat guy off from the. Oh, did they, they hire him for the paper? They hired yeah. ours. His name is Josh Robbins. Oh, did they? <laughs> he's a he's a really good guy, and he covered the Orlando Magic, and he did it for five years, and uh, he did it very well for us. And last year, the Athletic came and said he's the one everybody trusts in this market to have the Got Orlando Magic, and they took him. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is absolutely. And and I think there was an interview which he's later apologized for the founder of the Athletic, who just said, "My goal is to destroy local community newspapers." Well, uh, th- and that that goes to this. So where we said earlier that class classifieds kind of held the paper up it's another thing that sports sections hold papers up too a lot of people especially on sunday and stuff or in the week the weekend edition people will get the newspaper and yeah they look at the front page and they look through stuff but there were a lot of people who wanted to go right for that sports section or even entertainment stuff and the more of that stuff they were able to pry out and cut away into things like that the more at risk the the core business model seems yeah. to be. And one of the things that The Athletic has been smart about is uh, they realize that what people want by now is analysis of the sports. I mean, you, you've got the score. It came up on your Twitter feed, or, mm-hmm. or you've, you've got that. And uh, we're, we're still good. Mike Bianchi is our uh, sports columnist, and people like to read his takes. They're not reading him to find out who won the Pride game. They're, they're, That's they're, everywhere. That's ubiquitous. Yeah, you've got that. He, he's going to offer some insight on why he thinks the front office did the wrong thing by trading away a player or bringing in. Or, or some news behind the scenes. Exactly, that, that he didn't get somewhere else. And I want to tell you one other really interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people know. You were right about these online sort of uh, classifieds siphoning away all, mm-hmm. all our money. There have been times where print have been so smart about that. And a good example is cars.com. I think I've got those right. Yeah. Cars.com, most people do not know, was created by the Orlando Sentinel. Mm-hmm. It was created by people here. Uh, it's a national, maybe multinational thing now, but it was created here because they, they saw where it was going until a hedge fund buys our paper and uh, strips it off starts looking to sell off yeah. parts and they go, well, this is a great idea. And Chicago had, uh, was it for sale by owner or something? They've done that career builders. Another one yes. they've done. Yeah. yeah. And, and so some of the ones that you think are competitors are actually owned by Tribune or, they or, were. or by other outlets. And every time they were, and these were, these were very smart newspaper savvy de- uh, decisions. People said, this is going to financially prop us up. And then the company keeps getting sold to another hedge fund and they go, Oh, let's just give that away. And yeah. it's like plunking out one leg of a stool, uh, after the other. And and you, I wanted to go back to something else you said. You're right that the internet was created absolutely as whatever you want, you can have it for free. Sure. And so now we've raised at least one, and I'm going to submit two generations of people who do not understand that there's a value in paying yeah. for this. They've been taught that you're supposed to get that free, and it's hard to put that genie back in And the they model. were the people in the middle. So what I mean by that is you had these people who paid for their newspaper delivery for their family, and then they would also go on the website and get it. But then there are these people right. who were built up where they were like, we just get the middle part. We didn't actually have to subscribe for it. Those are the people that you have to kind of convince back to, hey, this is a, a model where you're going to have to pay for this news that you really do need. But when you look at the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, how has Orlando Sentinel done to bring in those digital subscribers to sort of even things out? Yeah, we, we they tried a bunch of different models. They've tried uh, ones where it was just people like me and Bianchi who were behind a paywall. Uh, and uh, to see if, if if that was enough. And that Were you would, resistant to that? Uh, like feeling like they're hiding the the work and no, because I guess the other part way to look at it was they you were desirable. Yeah, enough. I was the, I was the bait, <laughs> uh, but uh, but obviously that didn't work out by itself. Uh, but uh, they, they've tried a d- number of different things. I think what we've got is is 
better. It's growing. The problem we have now is that um, every digital subscriber doesn't pay nearly as much as what a print mm -hmm. subscriber did. I, I've often told people uh, more people are reading my stuff than ever before, but we're making less money for it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's. Uh, I mean, the website does killer. The the website. I don't think people understand that, especially if there's something big going on. I I yeah, can absolutely. I can imagine the other day. Brilliant move, by the way. Uh, when Trump's in town for the rally, Orlando Sentinel jumps early in on saying they're not going to endorse him. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me me and the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For re-election. And that goes haywire all over the place. Days like that, that, that website is churning and burning. I mean, there's some people going in. We've had, we've had, we are part of a chain that has at times had uh, the Los Angeles uh, Times, uh, Chicago Tribune, mm -hmm. uh, Baltimore. And on any number of years, uh, Orlando has been at the top <laughs> of the web hits because oh, yeah. we are just a this this part of the country is a you know a haven for nutty news no i mean I, when, when i worked at, at tribune tower in the newsroom oh i didn't know you oh yeah, yeah yeah for for chicago well i, I worked for tribune as a whole uh -huh. for for digital operations uh, they had something at that time called the syndicate um and they would push out digital content that filled up all the websites for everything including the local tv stations that that i don't even know if tribune still has those but they used to have uh, local TV under Randy Michaels. I think Michaels. we sold them off, but I can't even. That, those were the Randy Michaels days, sort of, uh, when when things were a little more haywire. But um, at that time, I remember I, I was I would be able to see the stats for all the newspapers and for all the television stations. And Orlando Sentinel, uh, Chicago Tribune. If it was snowing, holy cow, <laughs> get get out of the way. Yeah. If it was snowing, that that what the, the servers were pinging. But Orlando Sentinel has always done well. Um, and people look at a wide variety of things. You know, they read columns like yours, but they also get into the more monotonous stuff. How do you feel about stuff like the the mug shots and other things that are that you guys post? Hate them. Yeah, I've uh, I've written it publicly. There there are a number of things our uh, paper have done through the years get that I've so many clicks. Uh, That's why it's there. I I, I think we've. At, I have to double check. I think we have at least moved them off the homepage. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not even 100% sure about that. But uh, every one of those things you are looking at is somebody who has not been convicted. I know. Uh, they are somebody who's been arrested. I'm going to tell you just through the churn, the majority will not be convicted because that's not how it works. But well, what does it look system. like? It, it, oh, it's it's, a, it's, it looks guilty. You mug, we, we, we attach a mugshot with guilty. I, I've struggled with do, that too. We do, but Sean, I'm going to tell you this. The day I get arrested, and I'm going to get arrested for something. At some point, <laughs> it's bound to happen. I'm going to have the biggest shit eating grin on my face because uh, I've I've seen these awful yes. mugshots. shots. It's yeah. it, it, you know that's you're you're kidding and that's silly, but that's absolutely true. There's something in the shame that is captured in yep. your face in that moment where it's like, the, ooh, I think this one did. Nah, it. you're going to get my homecoming court 1989 <laughs> uh, bride toothy smile. Uh, yeah, I, I I know a lot of people struggle with that. It does. The, the thing is. I think consumers will look at OrlandoSentinel.com and they'll go, oh, they, they have these mug shots on here, and they might agree with, with what you said, but they also click it. They sh you're exactly they right. They click it, and they keep going and going and going, and millions and millions of page views are attributed to people going through these photos. So I used to give a talk sometimes, and it was uh, called uh, something along the lines of, uh, you don't really want good news. 
And it was premised on the note that people would always write and say, how come there's never any good news in the yeah. paper? And I would bring these metrics that you're talking about because there's good news in the paper almost every day. We have tons of these little feel-good features. Of course. And I, and I have one, like I wrote about some poor underprivileged girls in Paramore who are taking of a code, coding uh, program to get... Mm -hmm. John, nobody read that. Right. Nobody gave a crap about that. Everybody wanted it when you did. You see that thing about the coding and the paper? Like, oh, that's sweet. That's that's sweet. But were they were they diving no. for it? No. no. And the and the, one of the points I made was that just on that day that it came out, the mug gallery got I think twenty times mm -hmm. the views that that feel good story does. And you're and so to your point, yes, people say they don't, but they click like hell. They do. They they like it, and that's why those things exist to begin with. And you end up in this spot where your a lot of the revenue from from digital advertising is based off of unique visitors this changes over time but unique visitors uh and then page views and how many ad impressions you can get and when when you go like let me show you let me make a logical argument of why you shouldn't have these mug shots on this paper they go yeah but we will lose 10 uh, 10 million probably hundreds of millions of ad impressions a month if not a year and so the argument i will counter to that is that these ad impressions really aren't worth that much i mean it's i mean they're fractions Fast. of pennies they don't count for yeah. us so the new way and i'm kind of proud of us for doing this the new metrics we're paying more attention to uh, we're sort of getting into the weeds here are two things how long uh, uh, a viewer stays on a on a page, and whether that leads to a subscription. Yeah, that's. I mean, and, that'd be. A and one. I got to tell you, that's that second one is the only one that I think makes a difference because my point uh, to to the counter is the mugshot or the story about uh, Kardashian. People will come and look at that because it's eye candy. I, I get sure. all that, but they will never see enough of a value in that crap to say, you know what, that's worth me paying eight dollars a month for. Yeah. Um. The the only thing, unfortunately why i've still got a job uh what we have found out is it's the substantive stuff that people pay for now do you find uh as we're we're sort of like getting into uh the the real nitty-gritty of this kind of stuff do you find that with the current political climate that all of this all this work where you just kind of want to go in and do your thing has been made more difficult because people are reactionary right now is it made has has the trump presidency and the reaction of people to it made your job more difficult in some ways but not but not for the most part there was a uh for a while there was i think there was a t-shirt that was out that said uh rope tree journalist some assembly required mm -hmm. yeah yeah there was it was a lynching joke uh, about journalists and, and there are some people who have that attitude but I got to tell you, it's it's not most of the people we're encountering on a on a daily basis. And you know what? Uh, take all people can take all the digs they want. The paper's still really the the thing of record in a community. There's still something kind of substantial about uh, having your uh, story documented. Uh, oh yeah, in, in the paper, I got a whole room full of newspapers over there. And there's a reason that leaders, whether they are government or business, still ask to come talk to our editorial board or come uh, talk to me uh, because uh, th there's a lot of things out there that sort of float and disappear into the ethos, mm -hmm. uh, but the newspaper hangs around uh, a, a little bit longer. Uh, so I, I, I haven't really had encountered much of that. I get that feedback in an email, that yeah. sort of stuff, but not it hadn't made the job tougher. You get death threats and stuff? Eh, not death threats per se. I've had a couple of weird things through the year along those uh, through the years along Just, those lines. But a lot when there when there's that many people reading, you're bound to encounter people who are you know a little crazy. Off oh yeah, the I mean or... I'll tell you, I don't 
know if I'm supposed to say this, but we're, I mean, we're perfect. We're, we're yeah, we're <laughs> we're uh, I don't not really on lockdown, but like right now, as of uh, one week ago, we, we've got uh, uh, guards at both doors because of uh, a death threat that was made generally to the newspaper. Yeah, uh, but it's not even what you'd think. I mean, it, it's it's like just somebody off really, the rocker. Yeah, really, it's not yeah, Trump related. It's just. Off the rock. That, that's what it, that's what it is. A lot of times, it's just there. It, unfortunately, we have people with pretty serious mental illness out there, and then when they they, they look for a target, they go for a big target, and yeah. they might even not even be complaining about anything political at the paper. They might just think, "Why are you writing these messages to my head? Why are you know?" There's like radio is a weird one. People will be like, "Why are you sending a signal to my head?" Why are you? Why are you doing that? <laughs> and you, you almost want to go. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll 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 cease doing that. I'm. Like, I don't know how to handle these people. I'm forwarding that email. And sometimes they're <laughs> sometimes they're fun. I I had a woman one time uh, call me up. She was eating. I I swear she had a mouthful of raw carrots while she was. And she goes, Yeah, I just uh, saw your uh, uh, column in the paper. I didn't feel like reading it all. What did it say? <laughs> The woman caught me so off guard, I was like fumbling to try to read it to her. Uh, You're like, your expectations are a little out of whack. Yeah, I had a woman call one time and she said, I was so mad about what you wrote. I think it was like in favor of illegal immigration. And I was I was confused for a Mm -hmm. while. And I said, "Uh, did you read the column? She said, nope. I knew what you were going to say anyway. (laughs) You know, know, another thing you end up getting heat for before we kind of bring this into the last phase uh, is as, as a journalist, a lot of times. You get heat for the wire articles. There's a good portion of the newspaper that's from either the Associated Press right. or other wire services. And that's one thing people if if you learn that and think about it, it's pretty mind blowing. Reuters and the Associated Press, the kind of spread that they have. Because so much of the content that you see on television, the headlines you hear on the radio and a news report comes from those two sources in particular. But you might even get heat from somebody reading the paper and not realizing that's not even somebody in the room that they're calling. Virtually anything you read in the Orlando Sentinel about Donald Trump or Congress is written by one of those wire services, Mm -hmm. unless it's about Marco Rubio or Rick Scott, one of our Floridian folks. Yeah, they are pulled out from there. Most of the time they do a pretty straight job. But I got to tell you, Sean, sometimes I see stuff that – one of the terms in the news is you see it bleeds somebody's emotion bled mm-hmm. into the, those pieces. And, and I don't care for those either, but none of those are, are things uh, we do, but it goes both ways. I mean, we've had, we've had headlines that were uh, people thought were too hard on Trump. We've had headlines that were, I thought ridiculously too easy. We had one that uh, uh, said, I think a couple of weeks ago on his poll that said Trump at all time high approval rating. That was true, but he was still underwater. Right. Uh, it, it was still a, a negative. So anyway, but yeah, all that stuff is written by other folks. Uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the ideological diversity in, in the newsroom? You think you have a fairly balanced sketch of uh, a representation of Orlando or? No, uh, I think we, we, we're like a lot of other businesses. We're whiter. I don't know if we're more male uh, than we should be. Uh, and we are... Uh, I'm going to say probably a little left. Uh, almost everybody in the newsrooms at NPA. Most. I'm going to submit that if you get this close to the parties as we do, it's hard to get enamored about either one uh, too much. But uh, it's not shocking. Uh, just understand the personalities. Everybody should understand the personalities behind it. The person who would be drawn to do this may well be more likely to politically align on one side than the other therefore sending an imbalance across the political spectrum. I think what you have, what the people 
who are drawn to news are sort of those who like to speak truth to power and those who like to champion the little guy. Fighting up instead of down. And, and that may, along what you're saying, among ideological lines, if that means fighting up against corporate America, yeah. or then, then that probably would be more uh, left or, uh, than right. But I mean... There, well, I, the, the reason I say that is because I know a lot of people think this, and, and I, I think it's fairly obvious that most mainstream outlets, outside of your Fox News and your... You know, there, there's certain different spots we're going to get this. So the wall street journal a little bit, but, um, and even Sinclair, you know, at a local TV le level, but outside of that, I think people think the media tilts this, this way to the left. And I think it does. I agree with them on that, but I think they miss, they, they, they're not understanding why that happens. And if you think that the publisher of the paper is hiring people that they agree with, or people that are, I, I can only hire people who have a progressive point of view. I don't think that that's why it happens. I think it just kind of works out that way, you know, and your paper goes in this direction. Do you have conservative writers over there? you have anybody? Who's oh, yeah, yeah. We've got a, one of our columnists, David Whitley, is uh, far more conservative than I am. Uh, one of our uh, columnists who's a real ball buster is uh, Lauren Ritchie. She's mm -hmm. the one out of Lake County uh, that writes, and she's forever busting people's chops, and she's a lifelong Republican. I mean, uh, but uh, sometimes when a columnist goes after a Democrat or a Republican, the people just assume they're of the other. Uh, right. I got to tell you, I don't like politicians in general. Yeah, me uh, either. And, and, and you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find a high-profile politician in this region that I have not written a really mean column about. Yeah. I, 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 don't, uh, I, just I don't understand don't... the fandom. I don't understand that people. I'm a huge fan of this politician. It almost brings you to a place where you want to suggest that any and all criticism of them is somehow incorrect. And you end up in a defensive posture, whereas you're saying, like, I, I look at all of them, I'm critical, and I know there's something that draws you to the job to begin with that, that leads to corruption and that leads to the things that you end up writing and there, about. And there are some good, there are some good ones, but uh, I, I like like you say, I, I don't think I'm ever going to fanboy uh, any of these guys. Yeah, I was start to wrap things up, just, just tell me all of the secrets. What, what else? What do you want to know? <laughs> here's, here's what I know. And I know this for a fact. When when you work in a newsroom, and you've already alluded to this a little bit, you know so many more things than you print. You know so many. Do you have a couple of things? And and I'm I'm not I'm not ridiculous. I know what you can and can't say here. But just tell me this: Do you have things that if you had them sourced right, and if you could get them pushed through with enough information to back your claims, things that you've heard, things that you've known, that if you published them on the front page of the Orlando Sentinel tomorrow, it would blow people's minds? Maybe blow people's mind. It would wreck people's lives. I will tell you that I have been, I used to keep track of this, but I've lost it. I have been called by, I'm going to say, six or seven mistresses and wives. And and sometimes it's just two o'clock in the morning where they're pissed off. And <laughs> you, it's two o'clock. Do you know where Senator David Johnson is right now? I do. Is it Stuckey's with his whore mistress? Oh no! I mean, uh, I, I, I've gotten those. I've had uh, conversations with uh, a lot of spited people. But I got to tell you, I normally don't care. I mean, I sucks for them. Uh, but if it's not related to their job they're doing, mm -hmm. it's it's not uh, a lot of what I do. Uh, I've had, I can tell you the, um, I've been threatened. You asked me if I've been uh, threatened my life. I have not been, but I've been flat out threatened uh, politically. I one time had. Uh, You're going to lose your job, all that kind of stuff? or A spouse of a uh, legislator called and said, if uh, 
you don't stop writing about my husband. He's going to go public and tell everybody about your affair. And I was quiet for like a second. And I said, but I haven't had an affair. <laughs> and she said, he knows, but he's going to tell everybody. Right. Anyway. Yeah. And you, well, you know how that is once that's out there. Yeah. Even a hollow threat is still a threat. Yeah. I, I just know when, when I used to, um, oh, I can't remember the bar for the life of me. And in Chicago and downtown Chicago, it's uh, what is it? The goats, Billy goats bar. What, what is, there's some place, right, right, right down near the Tribune tower. And um, all, all the journalists would go there and you could learn more just sitting back quietly and slamming a couple of beers with your ears wide open right there than you could reading the paper 10 times over that day. We hear fascinating things. And, and, and most of the time, we're not out to wreck lives. And I, I would say that's the thing to, with regards to partisanship. Most of the people who come into the office with me every day, they just want to tell stories. This is not a, a particularly glamorous job. It's not a well-paying job. I do all right. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most uh, part, this is not a, a high-paying job. These are people who just want to tell stories that, about their community that they think other people aren't telling. And yeah, we hear a lot of dirt uh, along the way. And uh, just to wrap things up here, uh, what do you think people, what, what do you think the biggest misunderstandings are about the day-to-day -day job of a journalist, about the, the life that you live in, the, the job that you do? Maybe it's that, to get to continue the theme, it's that people come into the office with an agenda. Uh, I, I, everybody I know who comes into the office, they, co they come in with one agenda, and that's to find out what's going on. And we spend most of our day especially the real people who are beating the streets more than I am, you know, pontificating about stuff. They're, they're reacting to the news that's developing and wanting to get it out there and tell a story and tell a story that's more complete than the one that the politicians are trying to tell or that corporate America is trying to tell. Mm -hmm. They're trying to say how, how this decision is going to affect you, and it takes a lot of work uncovering that. And I, I think that's the only real agenda most of these folks have. What we look like, what, what is the news industry? Let's talk about newspapers in particular as a final question because I think this is the big one. What does the newspaper industry look like in 10 years? It all depended on the number you were about to ask. <laughs> if, if, you tell, if you said 20 years, I have trouble seeing us printing a product yeah. in 20 years. But that, I mean, that, that may just be an evolution. That may, it not, could. that may not be necessarily a bad thing. It's just a change in technology. You so, know, like we, fax machines are a thing of the past, and we're, we're on to other things. There is an absolute need. I can say, regardless of uh, me being part of this industry, there is a need for this industry. We are covering these stories that nobody else will. And sometimes I'll get people who say, you know, hey, will you write? I, I've heard they're planning to open up a, whatever, a shooting range near my house, and I want to know something. And I want to ask them, and I sometimes do, let me ask you, do you subscribe to the newspaper? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, I'll say, well, why are you calling us? The reason you're calling us is because you know we do something nobody else does. Right. And you know there's an inherent value, but you weren't going to pay for it until then. I believe that society will always know there is a value in having people tell these stories about their community. The only question is, do we wait until it's gone mm -hmm. to realize that? I think, as you mentioned, the Washington Post and the New York Times have sort of uh, reconvinced most of America that there is value in having newspapers around and, and I think we've uh, slowed the demise, and I, I'm still around. So I used to say it was like the Titanic. You used to see the uh, four guys playing the violins and the cello. <laughs> as they're there. I'm, not, I'm not good enough to be the captain, but I'd have the violin. I still believe, uh, like hell, in what we do. And as long as I do, uh, I'll keep doing it. Uh, that was a fun time. I hope everybody picked up something from that. You now know a lot more about what to expect for the future of print journalism. That was, after all, our big question this week. But you know more about what life is like every day for a journalist, the stuff that they do, the work that they put into it, the feedback they get. And that's 
the interesting part of doing this show every single week. So thanks again for listening and keep those reviews coming. Share the link around. We'll be back next week with another episode of the News Junkie Interviews. Listen or subscribe now. Search for the News Junkie Interviews on iHeartRadio or on the podcast app of your choice. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.